Welcome to the eighth episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition, our topics are a blockbuster trade in the NBA, COVID's impact on the sports world this week, college basketball, and a preview of the NFL playoffs divisional round. Let's jump right in and start with that NBA trade news. Uh, there was a trade this past week that has greatly shifted the outlook of the 2021 NBA season. Patrick, let's get your thoughts on this. Yeah, in this deal, the Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Rodion's Karuks, Dante Exum, and four unprotected first-round picks. Those are coming from Brooklyn in 2022, 2024, and 2026. And Cleveland's pick via Milwaukee, so it will be off of Milwaukee's positioning in 2022. And four unprotected first-round pick swaps, all from Brooklyn in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. The Nets get James Harden, the Pacers get Karis LeVert and a 2023 second-round pick from Houston, and the Cavaliers get Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. Overall, in my opinion, there is no enormous winner in this one. The Nets had to give up a lot of things to get James Harden, and I think that's just because of the high asking price that the Rockets had out there. On the other hand, the Rockets definitely got what they wanted, the picks that they wanted. I mean, that's four that's four first-round picks. That's a lot of picks. But at the same time, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought that they were going to go with, considering they got John Wall before the season, that they were going to go with trying to get maybe a young star out of them and keep like a Karis LeVert and try to take some picks with that and leave it at that. But instead, they got two, I guess we'll call them rotation players, and Victor Oladipo, who I would say is a downgrade from Karis LeVert, who they would have had in their hands if they didn't want to involve the Pacers in this deal. So the Rockets not necessarily outright winning this one either, even though they get rid of a disgruntled James Harden. Uh, In terms of the Cavaliers, I I don't know what they're doing. They have like five centers on their roster that are good. Meanwhile, the rest of their team are pretty much all rookies, so it's kind of a confusing situation there. But the Pacers, I, I mean, I don't know if they're trying to contend or whatnot, but The Pacers get Karis LeVert and a 2023 second-round pick for Victor Oladipo. There were rumors before the season that Oladipo might get traded. I guess, I mean, Oladipo kind of denied them, and the Pacers kind of denied them, but looks like they were looking to trade him all along considering they wanted to jump on this trade, uh, jump on the bandwagon of this trade last minute, and they did so. Uh, The way this impacts the NBA, it really... has the Rockets taking a backseat. Obviously, they're not anymore a part of the top-tier Western Conference playoff contenders, though they could still make a run in the playoffs, maybe get to the second round. I don't think they have any chance at a title. On the other hand, it, I think, in my mind, firmly plants the Nets above the Bucks as long as Kyrie returns to play, which he's slated to do tomorrow. I, I think this team might struggle on defense. There is clearly not the biggest defensive identity with this team, but they might just have enough offensive firepower to completely disregard defense entirely. But who knows how this will shake out. I still would say that the Lakers have the best chance to win the title, but the Nets are definitely now the favorite in the East over the Milwaukee Bucks. It'll be very interesting to see how this works out, particularly for Brooklyn uh, with James Harden, Kyrie Irving assuming the controversy around him Quells, maybe this helps. Maybe that was part of the reason for the trade. Um, and Kevin Durant, how that works out for them. If this doesn't work out for them, I think uh, James Harden starts to need to look in the mirror and uh, realize that maybe he's he's part of the problem. As uh, many trades were made in Houston to try to accommodate him, 
uh, didn't get him to the level of greatness. I think he expects of himself and the Rockets expect of that of, of, of him. Uh, and so now he's moved on to another team and, and we'll see. But at some point in time, uh, it reflects on the player himself, I think. Yeah, and he might need to make a sacrifice here playing with two other superstars. I mean, he's played with Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, but I would say that those two like to give the ball up a lot and they're great passers too. Whereas Kyrie is definitely a great passer and so is Kevin Durant, but I don't think that's the thing that they're set out to do as much as Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook were. So he's got to figure out how to play without taking 40 shots a game because Kevin Durant and Kyrie want 20 of their own. So he'll, the, all three of these guys are going to have to make a sacrifice and figure out how to play well on defense to, to make this actually a title-worthy team. But I think they definitely can do that. Yeah, another historical mystery that this leaves unsolved is, is what happened in Oklahoma City. Everybody thought that uh, James Harden did again along with Kevin Durant, and that's why Russell Westbrook stayed there and they broke up Harden. Then Westbrook went to uh, Houston to play with Harden, so everybody assumed, okay, it was Durant and Harden who didn't get along. Now they're back together, so who knows? Someday we might figure out what happened who in Oklahoma knows? City. Well, now let's turn our attention to the impact of COVID on the sports world this week, and we'll start again with more NBA news. Um, the NBA had eight games postponed this past week due to COVID-related issues. That brings the total to 13 postponements for the year, and things are looking worse lately. Yeah, there was another game that was played, the 76ers at the Nuggets, despite Doc Rivers preferring that the game shouldn't be played due to his depleted roster and amount of minutes for the he- for the healthy players. They would have to play, not to mention the game before that, actually, that they played, and they only had seven players. I think we covered that last week. But he also didn't want that game to be played, and there have been other games not played with more players available. There's a lot of confusion around what is making those games postponed or canceled. But players have also been out due to COVID. Kyrie has been out for a violation of the protocols after initially going out for personal reasons. Carl Anthony Towns, who has had multiple family members die of COVID, is now out on his own. Must be scary for him. Um, Hope he gets better. And the NBA has still said it's not considering pausing the season, but there is now talk of NBA expansion of rosters to deal with availability issues and even some rumblings from media members that they might want to go back into the bubble again, which I wouldn't think is a terrible idea myself. Well, so as with everything regarding COVID, just like sports, you kind of got to roll the punches and... You never know what's coming next. Similarly, uh, NCAA basketball action was hit particularly hard this past week due to COVID. We don't have time to list all the games and teams that were impacted and rescheduled, um, but several high-profile teams had games postponed uh, this past week. Patrick, maybe run down some of the, the bigger ones. Yeah, number 13, West Virginia, had a game canceled against number two, Baylor. Tennessee had a game canceled against Vanderbilt. Illinois had a game canceled against Nebraska. Nebraska's having some issues that are affecting multiple teams. In fact, Maryland was supposed to play them tomorrow and ended up playing some D2 team called Wingate that they beat by 50, and they only scheduled the game to, quote, stay in the flow of the schedule, according to their coach, which I don't think is a bad idea. But also Villanova at Xavier was postponed. Michigan State against Iowa was postponed. Arizona State at Oregon was postponed, Houston at South Florida was postponed, and another Villanova game, this time at UConn, was also postponed. And in addition to those past postponements, already there are 11 notable games next week on hold, including seven games scheduled for tomorrow on Saturday alone. 
Um, Patrick, want to go over those Saturday postponements? Yeah, the notable ones are Iowa State at Kansas, Arizona State at number Arizona, excuse me, at number twenty-two Oregon, TCU at number thirteen West Virginia, Indiana at Michigan State, Oklahoma State at number thirteen West Virginia, and UCLA at number twenty-two Oregon. Obviously, West Virginia and Oregon seem to be out of a f- many many games, same as Villanova. Tennessee had their start of the season delayed by two or three weeks. So there have been a lot of teams that have really had their schedules flipped on their heads based off of COVID, and there's even multiple teams on the women's side, in fact, two in the ACC, Virginia and Duke, who have outright canceled their season. I doubt we would see the same from their men's program counterparts, but it it is definitely worrying, and I mean, there were definitely a few rumblings about that at the beginning of the season, too. Yep, just again, going to be unpredictable and have to roll with the punches. Uh, Then we've got a strange NFL COVID-related note, ended up being a COVID-related note. Um, and uh, it involves a player who is going to make NFL history. Patrick, why don't you uh, talk about that, how it, history was almost made and still may be made, but uh, on hold due to COVID. Jared Veld here was an offensive tackle who retired before the season started and actually somehow ended up on the Colts practice squad by the end of the season, and he was set to make NFL history, as you said, by being the first player in league history to play for two different playoff teams in the same season. He played for the Colts last weekend after being called up from the practice squad, And because he was not on the regular roster, the Packers signed him off of the Colts practice squad in time to play against the Rams. However, unfortunately, he was placed on the COVID inactive list on Wednesday, and he will not be playing in that game, though the Packers do have a good chance of staying alive by winning this one. I'm not sure if he would play or not after the fact, though, because most of the time you wouldn't like to make major offensive linemen shakeups in the middle of the playoffs but we'll see he could he still does have a chance if the Packers are able to advance yeah that wraps up our uh, little notation here on the impact of COVID on sports for this week um, I'm sure we'll be talking about it later although we hope soon that these little updates get phased out as we get the virus under control and hopefully hopefully everybody gets vaccinated but uh, I'm not too confident in that so let's wrap that up and move on to our next topic moving on to college basketball uh, let's take a look back at some of the Past week's most significant games involving ranked teams. Uh, We did talk about some of the games on our last podcast on Monday because they were part of Patrick's uh, weekend prediction recap, so we'll be skipping those games. Let's go back to uh, last Friday, uh, Purdue defeating number 23 Michigan State 55-54. Purdue was down 31-16 at the half. Uh, Honestly, I was watching this game after being done with school. Purdue looked like they were getting destroyed. They looked completely outmatched. They looked like they had no chance to win this game. I mean, 16 points at the half is a really bad pace to be on. And I think for a good 8 to 10 minutes, it looked like they weren't even in the same division as Michigan State. But Purdue somehow shooting 12.5% from three and 33.9% from the field still found a way to win. You know what? The Big Ten is hard. Credit to them for getting a win in probably what will end up being one of their worst shooting performances of the entire year. And then let's move on to Saturday's big action, number six, Kansas, defeating Oklahoma, 63-59. to Oklahoma has lost two games by four or less points this year against top 15 teams, but being close won't be good enough for Sooners fans when it, com- when it comes to be tournament time. They hope that they can maybe shave some of those games off. They have beaten West Virginia in a close game this season, too. But, you know, the, going 1-2 and two in those games, it's always heartbreaking to lose games by two or fewer possessions. They're hoping to turn some of those around and improve that NCAA tournament seeding. 
And let's get your thought on Sunday's uh, big upset, Maryland defeating number 12, Illinois, 66-63. Maryland has been up and down. They're kind of a microcosm of what the middle teams of the Big Ten are going to look like all year. They've beaten two top 15 teams this year, Wisconsin and Illinois, both of them on the road, and are proving that on the right day, you can really get beaten by anybody in the Big Ten. And now we had a, a slate of big games on Tuesday night, which is usually the case in college basketball. Oklahoma State upset, upset number six, Kansas, 75-70. to 70. Number 20, Virginia Tech beat number 19, Duke, 74-67. And number seven, Michigan absolutely destroyed Wisconsin, 77-54. to 54. Patrick, your thoughts on these games? Shout out to number one prospect for the 2021 NBA draft, Cade Cunningham, also the number one recruit from this year's recruiting class. He blocked a shot with the game tied at 70 with about 45 seconds left. And after that block, he saved the ball inbounds to his teammates, who then eventually, after some passes, made it down the floor, made a layup to take a 72-70 to lead for Oklahoma State over Kansas. They eventually won the game 75-70. to Big upset for Oklahoma State. I've said it before. It is really sad that they are ineligible for the tournament this year due to some past recruiting violations. But they really picked the wrong year. This is a great team they have here. But you know what? We won't be seeing them in the tournament. That's too bad. Moving on to Duke, Duke never led in this game. Virginia Tech led them wire to wire. They were up by 18 at some point. Virginia Tech outshot them by 10% in total and by 15% from the three-point line. All-out domination by Virginia Tech as Duke continues to not really look like a typical Duke team, to be quite honest. And then there's the Michigan game. I mean, this one was probably supposed to be the closest one, the most hyped-up matchup maybe of this entire week. And it ended up being a steamroll in Michigan's favor. Michigan led by 40 at a score of 69 to 29 with 10 minutes and 47 seconds left. According to ESPN's win probability, Michigan had a 99.9% chance to win the game from 15 minutes and 37 seconds left all the way until the very end of the game. Michigan actually really surprised, even as a Michigan fan, this surprised me. I did not expect a 43 to 6 run in the middle of the game beating Wisconsin getting this crazy, jumping out to this crazy lead and beating this team by that much. I thought this would be maybe one of our hardest games of the year. So that's, it's astonishing. Michigan's really separating themselves from the rest of the pack. Yeah, Michigan, uh, particularly last few games, they are the first team in the history of college basketball to win three straight games against ranked opponents by 19 or more points. And frankly, those three games weren't even that close. They started that streak... Uh, with a win over number 19 Northwestern. They won that game by 19, but they were up in the game by 29 points. They then followed it up with a win over 19, number 16 Minnesota by 25 points, but they were up by 37 during that game. And then, as you just mentioned, their win over number 9 Wisconsin by 23 points when they led by 40 in garbage time, and all three of those games started probably before the last media timeout, and you never, you never see that in college basketball. So we'll see if Michigan can keep it up. Um, they're not going to sneak up on anybody the rest of the season, and that includes in the NCAA tournament. So let's turn to Wednesday's big action. Also in the Big Ten, number 21, Ohio State, beat Northwestern 81-71. And in Big 12 action, number 15, Texas Tech, upset number 4, Texas 79-77. Ohio State is now on a two-game win streak heading into their matchup with Illinois tomorrow morning. That's a huge matchup. It's on my weekend predictions. I have Illinois winning that even though Ohio State has momentum, while Northwestern has lost four games in a row since beating Ohio State and Michigan State in the same week. 
in late December, they climbed all the way up into the rankings. I think they were at about 16 at some point, somewhere around there. And then all the way fell down out of the rankings, and they're still out of the rankings, and they keep tumbling and tumbling, unfortunately for them. Texas Tech over Texas was a huge surprise to me. I thought Texas was one of the best five teams in the nation with no doubt about it. I thought only Baylor and Kansas could really compete with them in the Big 12. And then they destroyed Kansas a few weeks back. So I assume that they were really only in the conversation with Baylor in the Big 12. But credit to Texas Tech. They overcame a 10-point deficit at the half to beat Texas. The game-winning jumper was hit by Georgetown transfer Mac McClung with three seconds left. And the game tied at 77. They won that game 79-77, as we said. Yeah, Texas with uh, one close game against Texas Tech following their uh, buzzer-beating win against West Virginia. So a couple very close games against other ranked opponents uh, in the Big 12. Let's wrap it up uh, with Thursday's action. Purdue over Indiana, 81-69. Purdue takes home this matchup in the in-state rivalry between these two schools. Purdue has now won two in a row after previously beating Michigan State. And the two wins over Indiana and Michigan State could prove to be a real confidence boost for the Boilermakers. They're normally a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten. This is one of their weaker teams in a while, but they still do have all the elements they normally have on their team. They're overcoming some bad shooting performances to win games, and if you can find a way to win with bad performances, who's to say you can't beat anybody when you play well? All right, well, that wraps up our look back uh, at the actual game action of last week, but let's uh, conclude this segment on college basketball, Patrick, with your college basketball player of the week. My player of the week, regardless of Texas's loss to Texas Tech yesterday, Texas or a few days back, is Andrew Jones from Texas. He hit a game-winning three-pointer with less than two seconds left against West Virginia. He recently missed two seasons entire in their entirety while being treated for leukemia. In fact, this game winner came exactly three years after Jones's initial leukemia diagnosis. And to me, the stats don't matter as much as the story does in this case. But this week he did average 18 points and three rebounds to go with that game winner against West Virginia and was probably Texas's best player even in their loss against Texas Tech. Kudos to Andrew Jones for his great recovery story. For more college basketball content, go to our website, 4thand24.com, where you can check out Patrick's college basketball predictions and other predictions for the weekend action along with his college basketball bracketology. Uh, now let's conclude here by taking a look at the NFL Divisional Playoff Round that starts on Saturday, kicking off with NFC action at 4.35 Eastern Time. It's the number one-seeded Green Bay Packers kicking off their playoff run, hosting the number six Los Angeles Rams. Patrick, your thoughts? In this matchup, we have the Battle of the Aarons with the potential Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald, against the potential league MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Donald and co. around him account for the best scoring defense in the league, while Aaron Rodgers and co. account for the best scoring offense in the league. You never know what might happen in these matchups of extreme strength against extreme strength, and you never know if the defense or offense performs better in the snow, which is in the forecast for tonight and early in the morning tomorrow in Green Bay. That might be cleared by game time, but I honestly, even as a Rams fan, I don't think it matters enough for the Rams what the weather is. If anything, that would make it worse for them. I have to go with the team I had making the Super Bowl from the NFC before the playoffs started. I think the Packers, rain, snow, or otherwise, will win this game 23-17. I don't think much will give from the offense or the defense. I don't think the Rams will look awful against the number one offense, and I don't think the Packers will look awful against the number one defense. 
Yeah, I think most people would agree that the Rams would need to be uh, firing on all cylinders and, and play a pretty good game to go into Lambeau Field and, and beat these Packers. And they've got a hobbled Aaron Donald who says he's fine. What else is he going to say? And, of course, Jared Goff still hurt. Um, so I, I just think agree with you here. It's going to be going to be very difficult for the Rams to pull this one out um, under probably difficult weather circumstances for them. So uh, the other NFC action, which concludes Sunday at 6.40 p.m., is the number five-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the number two-seeded New Orleans Saints. The Saints won the first two matchups of this NFC South rivalry this season by a combined score of 72-26, to including a 38-3 to beatdown on Sunday Night Football in Week 9 in Tampa Bay with fans in Tampa Bay in the stands. While the Buccaneers' offense has looked a lot better since that matchup, the Saints' defense has really continued on the same upwards trajectory since that game two, where they only allowed them to score three points. Drew Brees, in fact, is 5-2 and two against Tom Brady in their matchups in the NFL, although Tom Brady did beat Drew Brees when he was at Michigan and Brees was at Purdue. This head-to-head matchup has not happened too often, considering how many years these guys have been in the league for, and it is the first playoff matchup of 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks, and it will be an interesting one. I expect both teams' defenses to put together a solid game plan to hold the other team's high-powered offense in check, but I don't think the style of the game will affect two wins. Although the Saints have a recent history of losing playoff games in heartbreaking ways, I think they'll avoid heartbreak this year. I think the Saints will win this game 30-24. to Well, it's always a tough order, no matter uh, what sport it is, to sweep a team for the year, particularly in football, to win three times against the same opponent. I'm not saying the Buccaneers are going to win. I think it'll be a, little, a lot closer than everybody thinks. I do have one prediction that I know will be accurate, and that's the NFC Championship is going to feature a matchup between two marquee quarterbacks. Either way, I don't think there's any chance the Rams win. So you've got Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers against Drew Brees, and it's going to be fantastic one way or the other. So, I would give the Rams a better chance to make the NFC, to make the Super Bowl even, than the Buccaneers, if I'm going to be quite honest with you, however. Wow. So I, 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 hey, it's the old adage, defense wins championships. The Buccaneers, you're talking about the number one scoring defense. If the Rams can hold the Packers down, the Saints, Frank, frankly, if the Rams hold the Packers down, neither of the Saints or the Buccaneers stand a chance against the Rams defense. Regardless of how many thumbs Jared Goff has broken, it doesn't affect the offense that much. Blake Bortles almost beat Tom Brady before. I, I, he's, he's the backup now, and he could do it again if he felt like it. He has an even better defense behind him this time if he needs to be activated. I think, frankly, the winner of the Packers-Rams game will win the NFC. Wow. Well, then maybe I'll change my lock prediction to say, no matter what happens, it'll be a battle of a great player named Aaron against one of the NFL's most legendary quarterbacks. Can we agree on that? Sure. All right, let's move to the AFC. Um, AFC divisional playoff round action starts with the number five seeded Baltimore Ravens at the number two Buffalo Bills on Saturday at 8.15 p.m. Patrick, your thoughts? Everyone has been talking the entire week about and even asking the man himself about how Lamar Jackson will play in the snow, how he feels about playing in the snow. He's never done it before. Ooh, it's so scary. The forecast now shows no snow for tomorrow, and I honestly think we were questioning the wrong person slash team all along. I think we should have been questioning how in the world defensive players are going to come to a stop and not get juked out of their shoes, breaking ankles all over the place, trying to stop the best running quarterback in the NFL in the snow. But that's all hypothetical anyway. There will be no snow. 
Josh Allen is having an amazing season, and while the Ravens might have one of the most well-coached defenses, I don't think they can craft up a plan to stop Josh Allen, regardless of what Lamar's doing or if there's snow or not. (laughs) Just because of Josh Allen's sheer talent alone, I think this game could be the closest of the weekend, and honestly, it's the biggest toss-up for me. But I think the Bills will win this game 24-21 off the back of Josh Allen doing just enough against the Ravens' defense to win the game. I've got a sneaking suspicion that the Ravens pull this out. I picked against them uh, last week uh, for stupid reasons, just to be different than you. Uh, and I'm not doing that for this. I'm not doing that this for that reason this week. Um, I think the Ravens' defense will come up with a way to confound Josh Allen. I think Lamar Jackson makes enough plays, and the Ravens advance to the AFC Championship game. I might be doing this for selfish reasons because of the matchup that I would love to see in the AFC Championship as the other game features the number one seeded Kansas City Chiefs against the number six Cleveland Browns at 3 o'clock on Sunday. Um, You've already indicated what you think is going to happen there. Why don't we go with that, and uh, I'll come back to my thoughts on what a matchup we might have in the AFC Championship. And mind you, I do, before we get into the Chiefs-Browns, I do think that the Ravens have the best chance of any of the non-higher-seeded teams in these games to win their game. But I I still am picking the Bills, but I I really do think that the Ravens could win this game, and I think they're kind of in the same way as the Rams have a very good chance of making it all the way just off of the different, just off of the way their team is made up differently than some of these other teams. But moving on to the Chiefs-Browns, Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield face off for the second time in their NFL careers. However, they have also faced one time in college, and I want to flash back to that for a little bit. In the first meeting between these two all-time, Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma Sooners defeated Patrick Mahomes and the Texas Tech Raiders. The score of that game was 66-59. to Mahomes threw 88 passes for 734 yards, ran 12 times for 85 yards, and scored 7 total touchdowns, while Baker Mayfield threw 36 passes for 545 yards and 7 passing touchdowns. I don't expect this game on Sunday to be anything like that one. Though it might be something like the 37-21 win for Kansas City from 2018 in these two's only matchup in professional play. Kansas City boasts the most passing yards per game in the NFL this season, even having Chad Henney start a week at the end of the year. (laughs) Uh, Led by superstar, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. While the Browns have to compete using the 8th worst passing yards defense in the NFL, this matchup does not look good for them in the air. But the, but the Browns do have an advantage on the ground. They are ranked third in the league in rushing yards per game, while the Chiefs have a very middle-of-the-pack defense, the 14th worst rushing yards defense in the NFL, 19th best, if you want to say it that way. I expect the advantage on the ground to allow Cleveland to control the clock and keep the game close and not let the Chiefs score 50 points on them. However, I think they can manage the clock all they want, but their defense cannot contain Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win this one 31-21. Yeah, I agree with you. The Chiefs are going to win. I think they win by 14 points. I think it will be a high-scoring game, but there will be defenses on the field that are a little better than the Big 12 defenses in the two quarterbacks' first matchup that yeah, you referenced. Maybe. So uh, I agree with you there. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs move on. Uh, and as I said, I, I hope that – I really look forward to that, setting up a matchup between – Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. The matchup that we wanted last year, but were denied by King Henry himself. <laughs> correct, correct. And uh, if you get that, uh, and you get the matchup of Aaron Rodgers and either Tom Brady or Drew Brees, 
uh, for the NF NFL championship, conference championship weekend. What a fantastic slate of games that will be. Uh, some four games to be played before we get there. And, of course, we will have our recap um, of those games, and we'll see how Patrick's definitive picks and my suspicions turned out in our next podcast, which will be on Monday, January 18th, where we also will cover uh, our latest NBA recap, and we'll look back at the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions. So in the meantime, be sure to check out those weekend predictions and Patrick's additional content, including his NCAA Bracketology that I mentioned before on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. And thank you, as always, for listening.